When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello there. Kevin Pollack here, your host of my Mrs. Maisel pod. Are you a first-time listener or are you a long-time listener? Write to me and tell me. Write to me, Kevin Pollack, at mymrsmaiselpod at gmail.com. That's it. If you're a long-time listener, then thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling everyone you've ever met about us. That's all I've ever asked. Uh, we have a very exciting episode for you, as you've no doubt seen in the episode description, when you were notified of a new episode available. Jane Lynch, the marvelous, the truly, uh, one of the most talented people I've ever met and worked with. There, I said it. Now, Jane and I uh, zoomed it up uh, a little while ago, and we went on forever couple of hours. And so I uh, realized this is going to have to be a three-parter. Um, because with all the wraparound times and the email reading, yes, that's right, I'll be reading one of your emails. Or maybe someone from the show will be reading an email answer to you a little later in the program. Yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, those things take time. And so when the two-hour conversation is broken up into three parts it's 40 minutes each and then with the wrap around you're looking at a 50 minute uh to, to an hour uh yeah so this is part one of our very lengthy conversation it will end abruptly as the multiple part episodes tend to end and you know why by now because when we recorded there there was no pause to break up the episode so i have to find a spot and then chop, uh, and then ask your forgiveness. So it will end uh, awkwardly, uh, but this this first of three part Jane Lynch conversation, this first third is a teaser, because Jane and I break down season four, episode six, and in the chronological order of episodes being broken down on this here podcast, we're nowhere near season four, episode six. Yeah, nowhere near. In fact, the next episode of the series to be broken down will be season four, episode one. So you see, 
Me dropping in this Jane Lynch convo now, this, this part one, is a tease. We'll mention very little about that season four, episode six. Almost nothing. It just sort of a, a, a moment from that episode is talked about very briefly, but it is not an episode breakdown. We don't even get to, we don't even scratch the surface. It is uh, phenomenally entertaining. I've now listened to it a couple of times in order to uh, intelligently do the wraparound here. Jane is just a damn delight. A national treasure. Multi-award winning actress. And um, her creation, realization of Sophie Lennon is one for the books. And by that, I mean the history books. The history of series television. Anywho, uh, thank you again for tuning in. Let's, let's, I'm not going to torture you any further. We're going to jump into uh, the teaser. And again, write, write any follow-up questions or comments to my Mrs. Maselpot at gmail.com, and I will forward them to Jane. She will answer you directly. That's all. That's how that works. All right. Here now. Jane Lynch, part one of three. Enjoy. When I was looking up your uh, episode on the chat show, uh, number 261, Mm -hmm. uh, if any listeners want to watch a long form uh, video chat between us. Um, mm-hmm. I went through and I was looking at some of the comments uh, as are posted by quote unquote fans. And here's one for you and one for me. The one for oh, you no. was, I love her so much. I hear she don't care for people too much, but, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I can say I don't either. She is funny and smart and so pretty. <laughs> I, I, I love everything about that comment. <laughs> Good. Everything that, about that's it. That's why I chose it. And here's yeah, what, the one. Yours? <laughs> you're going to love everything about this comment to me. Hmm. He starts a question, then starts a commercial rambling. So you end up waiting for an answer to the question. Sorry, he kills his own interviews. Love Jane, but we'll look for <laughs> another interview. <laughs> Come Did on. Did you do that? Do you remember doing such a thing? I mean, you probably had ad, you probably had advertisers, right? Uh, I had ad reads on occasion, but I don't remember yeah. ever asking a question and then and then going into yeah, make, it makes no sense. Sleep. Yeah. But I do know sometimes when your uh, podcast is owned by a mothership, yeah. they will drop ads in. They'll insert things, yeah. Yeah, without uh, yeah. often when you're foolishly watching a motion picture on cable television, they too will find the oddest cut points to drop in a commercial. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't watch anything on stream. I don't watch anything. I'm completely yeah. out of the loop, so I don't know how that works. Yeah. So, uh, well, so now the the pastime uh, is not uh, binging any sort of television uh, options. It's straight to a book. What's happening? It, it, yeah, a little bit to a book. Like you, you see over there, I've got some books. I do. I have a hard time reading. Like ah. it hurts my eyes. Hmm. And and I'm used to listening now. So I yes. prefer listening. But something tells me I should read. So I've, 
that book has been open at that spot for about six months. I don't be <laughs> too impressed. And the rest of the books are picture books. <laughs> six months is the perfect amount point. of time. Right, that, right. That. But I do listen. I listen to things. Um, I love I, audiobooks. Hooked. Isn't the best. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm me uh, too. halfway through or also six months, uh, Barbara Streisand's book. Oh, wow. That's going to take you a good long time. Are you enjoying it, though? I am. Yeah. It's I love her voice. I hear it's wonderful experience. It, exactly. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, Tom Hanks wrote his first novel uh, oh. and he reads it. So that's like Tom Hanks reading me a bedtime story. Yeah, uh, that's nice. Or Steve Martin read Born Standing Up, his book. So that, yeah. you know, you get there. It, I don't know. It's it. I'm it reading is. or listening to um, Stephen Fry has done a bunch of books. Oh, yeah. I'm listening to the Greek myths. Oh, I don't know if he he wrote the narration, but it's really good and it's really you know precise and it's interesting and it's also very funny. It's really fun to listen to. And this particular one is like 15 hours long, That's so I'll great... be listening to it for quite a while. But it's to hear Stephen Fry read you a story is pretty amazing. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah. he's done a series of them. You know, the Greek gods. Um, the Greek myths, uh, the uh, uh, the Greek philosophers, just the Greek. Into the Greek, he's uh, you know what I mean. He's into I, the Greek. I, I do, I do. I yeah, know. I, uh, yeah. Now here in uh, uh, not so sunny Southern California, I know. I, I'm yeah. a couple of miles inland from the from the Venice Beach there, mm -hmm. and it's grim. Yeah. Uh, you are uh, further up the coast, no? Yeah. I am about hour and twenty up the coast, and I'm about uh half a mile from the ocean and, and it you, is grim it's also it's grim, grim. It, but you know what it's beautiful when it rains yeah. in santa barbara yeah it's gorgeous when it rains in la not so much unless well, the people fall apart yeah the people fall apart the civilization collapses when it yeah. rains yeah last year at this time uh january los angeles turned into seattle it rained every day yeah. all day and it was a very uncomfortable uh, situation <laughs> yeah for the drivers Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now the word grim, I have to share a little story. So you know how you get out there on the um on the, the awards uh uh circuit thing with the show like a mazel, mm -hmm. and you run into people. It's the best thing about the award show, you'll run into people who you admire. And so the year that we Maisel won its first year and then immediately started losing to um Oh, the wonderful show where Andrew Scott played the sexy priest. Oh, uh, Fleabag. That's it. So <laughs> I ran into Andrew Scott. Oh, I and love uh, him. it's so extraordinary. And you know, you hope you're you're you just never know as a character actor who's going to recognize you and who isn't. So when they do, it's for me a super cheap thrill. And he did. And so we started seeing each other on occasion on these award things. And then we started taking photos for Jamie, uh, my better half, you remember, who's also obsessed with him. <laughs> and then I told him we were going to London in in a month or six weeks or whatever. So it would be mid-February. And he said, oh, it's going to be grim. And, uh, <laughs> grim. And, and man, was he right. Yeah, it was uh, so grim. Yeah, super grim. Yeah. Um, but uh, anytime that for the rest of my life, that word is spoken. I just can I tell Andrew. a quick Andrew Scott story? Oh, please. Oh, I was in Ireland and uh, in Dublin, like 2016. I, I 
it doesn't matter why I was there, but um, I went to see him in a play at the <gasps> Abbey Theater. Oh my! And he was—he wasn't Andrew Scott of Andrew Scott fame. He was just Andrew Scott, an actor, and he was wonderful. It was a World War One um, story uh, it, based in Ireland, and mm. um, so I went out for uh, 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 intermission. And when I came back in, for some reason, I think I turned my phone on to check messages. I didn't turn it off, <gasps> and all of a sudden the lights come up, and it's this. It sounded like it was on stage. It's like this man talking and he's talking about, it was like a Ted talk. It was my phone. Oh no. And, and oh no, you could hear it throughout the theater. I did not know it was my phone. And I was like, this is a weird sound. You know, like I thought it was a sound cue and the guys kept acting, doing their thing. It was quiet. They didn't talk. And then I went, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to turn it off. So I just got up and laughed. Yes. And then I saw him on the street uh, having a drink like two days later. And I stopped and I said, hi, I just want to say the other night at the theater, that was me. And he went, you're kidding. He said, we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but it because the acoustics were so good, and it's a big theater. It filled the whole theater. It was just wow. my iPhone. From oh, your, oh, my God. From your I was pocket. So, from yeah. my pocket. I was so mortified. And, you know, I'm an actor. Sure. I should know better than to have my phone on during a, a, a live theater thing. Oh, my God. I was just, I was so, I felt so much better to see them. Yeah. Another guy in the uh, the show, too. They were having a coffee or something. And and they, they were, they laughed. And, oh, my God, I felt so much better. <laughs> yeah. To be able to have uh, that confessional moment within a couple yes. of days. Yes. Is you don't have to best. live with that. It no. doesn't get stuck in your body as trauma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it would have. It would have. Oh, I, it would be there forever. I'd be on my deathbed going, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, those little run-ins with the uh, people that you're fans of or impressed by. I remember one year. I was uh, Matthew Perry's date to the Golden Globes. You and were. It, I was. It was one of my all time. But but the reason was he was dating a couple of women. And, and if he brought either, the other one would be upset, as he explained it to me. Yeah. And I said, you 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 can say you just want me to be your date, Matthew. You don't need to make up <laughs> excuses. So so we we went and I just remember my favorite two memories one was halfway through after his category was had come and gone he became quite bored surprised to no one and <laughs> and and it's at a hotel the beverly hilton or whatever and he said you know what there was a, a nfl playoff game happening at the same time he said i'm gonna get us a room we're gonna go up and watch the game <laughs> so matthew perry got us a room and we watched the playoff game but then we felt bad so we went back down into our our seats and so then my second favorite part of this experience was as we were leaving, it's suddenly too crowded and there's a backup of bodies and you can't get out and it's one step at a time. So whoever you end up next to is who you're going to be with for the next right. 11 <laughs> minutes as you attempt to flee. Yeah. Um, and it was Gene Hackman who, uh, along with Jeff Bridges, two different generations, but my favorite two actors of their generation. So, but so, so Gene Hackman and he's standing next to me and he towers over me uh, yeah. quite, quite easily. And so I'm so uh, unnerved initially that I don't say anything. Uh, I look up way up and uh, our eyes meet and there's a little nod of the head and I don't say anything and neither does he, but we're again, walking, a negative two miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> no one's moving and we're just stuck there. 
So after six of the longest minutes, felt like an hour, I say, uh, we'll eventually get out of this. And I, I won't feel right for weeks if I don't now say that I uh, am a lifelong devoted fan. And he smiled and said, as am I. And I won't I won't know ever if he meant of himself or me. <laughs> but he certainly was uh, seemingly respectful in, in the moment. No, that's that's but also that's in that great. moment where no one can move. I didn't really give yeah. him a lot of options. <laughs> um, yeah. So do, do you uh, does, are there any other run ins you recall of uh, someone that you admired so that i mean there's so yeah. so many over time i guess if mm -hmm. any any come to mind while we're chatting well i remember this is actually before i i started w working and became kind of famous i was doing um oh what was the name of that movie what planet are you from it was mm. mike nichols right uh gary shandling yes and annette benning yes and um i we had a day, 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 day thing. I was a day player, and they were very nice. Mike Nichols was so nice to me; he treated me like I was one of the stars of the movie. So when I came in, he was like, "Come oh, on over here," oh. and I had like three lines. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "This is Annette. You sit here with Annette." And I couldn't get over myself. I and she was so nice. Hey, how you doing? And you know, kind of small talking. And I remember yeah. I got trying to be comfortable. I got lower. <laughs> lower in my chair <laughs> to the point where I was almost on the floor. I couldn't get over myself. And I thought, you know, I, that was a waste of time, Jane, that you, you allowed that fear As opportunities to get the best of you. Go. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And also you realize that it's, it's an opportunity to sit with another person, yeah. just another person who happens to do something you really like, but ultimately, and you know this now that you're a bit on the famous side and so am I, you just want people to uh, feel comfortable around you. Yeah. I don't get I don't get off on people being nervous around me. No, I, no, I, I, no in one fact, does. Kind of pisses me off. No one does. Yeah, well, it's yeah. been established earlier that you're not very fond of people in general. No, especially if they're like <laughs> nervous around me too. Yeah, yes, yeah. First thing Jamie will tell get you: get over is, it. A, I was very big in the '90s, and two, <laughs> I tend to not like most people. Yeah, um, yeah. she. Uh, yeah, there is that strange thing, and it's so. I guess it's just involuntary because we do know better. Yeah, we do. Having been on the other side. Mm -hmm. And yet every think, time we saddle up to someone famous. Yeah. We, I think it's the, I mean, I'm not, I'm not break, doing breaking news here, but I think because it happens on a screen and in our box at home and it's kind of in a fantasy land and it's an idealized version of this person. Yeah. That you, they're, they're not, it's almost like royalty. They're not real. That's right. They're, right. they're not real. And yep. and you look, you get up close and you see they have pores and their teeth maybe are a little yellow or something. And it's like shocking. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that that's not that's the thing that's hard to get over in the moment is the conditioning of these are kind of fantasy people. These right. aren't these people don't really live and breathe. And so you don't live and breathe when you're with them. You forget how to act like a human being because your your context is so thrown. I mean, I can see it in people like especially people who recognize me from Glee, the younger folks. Oh yeah. And who can't who aren't so cool and they can't hide what's right. happening to them when they they see somebody who was on a show that they watched. Yeah. They don't even have to have liked it. <laughs> you assume they liked it, but you don't know. Um you see it come over. 
Right. <laughs> and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to be anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? and th- yeah. And there's a lot of uh, backpedaling of, um, I don't, I don't normally do. I don't do this. And I always want to say, yes, you do. <laughs> you're doing it right now. <laughs> you're do- or yeah. you're doing it right now. Yeah. But I, I, I stopped myself from doing that. Yeah. I, I, you do develop certain, I, I have developed certain um, reactions to, um, well, first of all, uh, my, my absolute favorite, uh, how do I know you? You can't beat that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I, now instantly say we went to school together no matter what age no matter person, what it is yes yeah, right mm-hmm. yeah we went to school together mm-hmm. no we no we didn't i know i know oh. you're from a movie i just don't know which one and then i will say i wasn't with you when you saw it so <laughs> uh, you're asking the wrong person or <laughs> what have you been in <laughs> yeah oh. and then and yeah. then you go through your list and they say well i don't watch television yeah <laughs> and you want to go yeah but you're aware that they exist right television yeah, exactly mm-hmm. yeah uh mm-hmm. yeah the the there's for those of you listening uh n- never ask these questions because even mm-hmm. though you you are being a fan and your feelings are sincere and you have and you're clearly clueless uh how offensive it is to say what do i know you from or <laughs> or what have you been in uh <laughs> it's the least possible enjoyable encounter for yes. our side yeah um yeah so so yeah, it, and and sometimes they get a little um upset and gruff. Yeah, I think because it's kind of humiliating because it means it, right. It, nobody wants to be seen as a fan, and like or, that's um that's why people stupid. lead with uh, or stupid <laughs> people lead with um uh you know the, that lead with I don't usually do this sort of thing. It's like I'm not one of those people. That's right. You know, and so there's this like, you know, stigma about fans. Like, I prefer the person who comes up to me and like, oh, <laughs> they, like they're excited and they're not trying to be cool. Yeah. that You know that you can't like slap that down. I have. But it, <laughs> it I feel bad afterward. <laughs> Those are the ones you feel bad about. Yeah, I feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were at an airport once and I went into the men's room and this fella ran up to jamie and said okay who do who i know your husband from a movie what movie is it what movie is it he very in a hurry i guess to not let me come out of the bathroom before he finishes his business with jamie and so she who has been with me far too many times for this quiz show uh Mm -hmm. starts going down the most popular ones and each time the guy says no no that's it what else what else no no that's not Uh. it what else what she's yelling at her uh uh to the point where she's now afraid Yeah, exactly. And so he he finally she stumbles on it or whatever, and he, he's gone by the time I come out and she just looks like she's been attacked. <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt so, so bad. Um, yeah, it's no good. It's no good at all. I tell you. <laughs> um, so uh, life there is now, I'm guessing, idyllic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It and is. You, you've been there a few years now. Almost uh, like three, almost three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Now I love it. I just, you know, I walk. I'd walk to the Starbucks to get my coffee. I, yeah. Um. I, I. I'll go days without driving. It's. It's really nice. Yes. Well, there's uh reason number one through eleven. Yeah. To to flee Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and live in a happy place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, have you spent any time in Solvang? I haven't, but my my wife has. Uh, have you met Jennifer? I, I yes. She, uh, she, uh, Angel from Hell. She was. Yeah. She, we were, we were together back then. Um, 
she has a horse in San Yanet, which I don't go up there a lot, but she gets into solfing, I guess is my answer. But I, I've been there a couple of times. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Jamie's mom was vis yeah, visiting for Thanksgiving. We It was one of our day trips to bring an out-of-towner. Imagine that, just driving yeah. that hour, 30 or 40, whatever, just to walk through this Dutch village. But yeah. we went on the little trolley, a historical information uh, trolley uh, mm -hmm. with a guide, mm -hmm. and found out that a, a block and a half off of the main drag, and the main drag being really the reason people are, are visiting, all the shops and things, but a, a block and a half off of it is a little historical house that was built by one of the founders and there's all sorts of town history within that little house and that was the greatest uh adventure through through uh through history and and this little bizarre dutch town dropped in the middle of uh of nowhere yeah that sounds like something i would like to do that's actually yeah. um yeah that's learning the... something about the history that's why i love Santa Barbara is, I, I love the hit, like these books are Santa Barbara architecture and yeah. I just love it here. I love the history. I love how, why people started coming here in the twenties and yeah, it's just glorious. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, well, uh, that's all we have time for. That's it. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so let's, um, Let's begin uh, the Maisel speak the mm -hmm. with 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 the begin. Uh, mm -hmm. How what what's the origin story for you, the Paladinos and and Sophie Lennon? Lennon, yes. Well, way back in time, I did one day on the Gilmore Girls. Right. <laughs> I played a uh, a nurse, and the father had been had heart attack, and I got to know uh, what was Kelly's name, the actress. Kelly Bishop. Uh, Kelly Bishop. So I again got to spend the day with like with uh, like I did with Annette Benning, only this time I didn't blow it. I got to spend the day with her and we had the most lovely talk. Oh, I remember nice. mostly her talking with her. Yeah. And and um, she said, I remember what she said to me. She said she was she came in from New York. She had been in a chorus line. So she she moved to L.A. She was one of the I think she was original or the second cast. And yeah. so she came into L.A. and started getting work. And she was really getting into being here, driving and enjoying it. And then she said, I realized that I enjoy my own company more than anybody else's company. And I thought. Wow. And I, I think I the reason I felt so is that I enjoy my company more yeah. than, than I enjoy anybody else's company. I love that, too. <laughs> I love getting up in the morning and going to do errands and um, yeah, uh, and then coming home at the end of the day and maybe saying hello <laughs> to the people who live in my house and then, <laughs> right. you know, going into my YouTubes and put my little AirPods in. And I love that too. So that was wonderful. So I did one day. So I'm, I'm making the story longer than perhaps it need be. So I did one day on the Gilmore Girls and um, I kind of remember meeting them, but this is now what, 20 years later. Sure. Uh, so I, I saw the, sh the the poster for the show, a big the big billboard for the show, and I said to myself, oh my God, "I want to be on that show." No, you and didn't. I, I did. I did. Wow. It was the strangest thing. And the, the good fight too. I, I I felt the same way when I, oh, I want to be on that show. So I got um, <clears throat> I got the script, and it's it's just yeah, you know, it's two two characters, two really different characters uh the uh sophie lennon the housewife from queens and then sophie lennon the very you know the aristocrat, very diet, the yeah. aristocrat. um and oh i was just 
immediately I knew how I was going to do it. Immediately wow, really? Immediately I knew how both characters, I was going to do both characters. And was it an instinct that was drawing from any other fictionalized character you had seen? No, it was basically Phyllis Diller. It was the <laughs> first thing that came to my mind. Oh, wow. Um, uh, that kind of loud, ha, kind of a thing. And then I had done Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, probably five or six years before. And I did a character in a on a game show um, who was very much like that. Oh, and wow. so that was kind of the humble beginnings. I thought, oh, that's a great way to go with this. And I knew I'd be in a fat suit. And, um, uh, you know, I, I had a good idea. I didn't know exactly how I was going to look, but I had a good idea um, of how I was going to do this. And then immediately for the Sophie uh, Lennon, who was the aristocrat, I thought of um, uh, Eleanor Parker from The Sound of Music. Oh, do you remember? She was the Baroness. Oh, yes. So I thought of uh, that Sophie aspired to be that because she was all elegant in class and very kind of um, mm. um, uh, self assured and had always had a twinkle in her eye. But that's who Sophie wanted to be. She didn't quite get there, but she dressed like that. And she had that air about her, but just just teeming in insecurity. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I also love how Sophie did become worldly and knowledgeable of all things worldly by her own making, perhaps. Yes, but she still did absolutely self-made mm -hmm. achieve tremendous taste in art, I assume, mm -hmm. and furniture mm -hmm. and architecture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But never had the belief in herself. She was right. she is one of those. And we meet them a lot in this business, though. Oh, not, maybe not so much anymore. It's kind of an old generation thing um, of people who are, you know, they're kind of the divas and they're the big stars and the 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 um, the, the, the royalty of Hollywood that we don't so much do anymore. But deep down inside, they're they're absolutely insecure and unsure of themselves and full of self-hatred and that's why they they kind of randomly fire people and knock people down and then the next moment they're like everybody's against me it's that yeah. kind of a person yeah 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 that rampant, she's never able to get over that that rampant insecurity yes i still see it i there there are we didn't have any on Maisel, thank goodness, but I still see yeah. it on occasion. Mm -hmm. And it's usually somewhere near the top of the call sheet. Yes, it is. Say one, mm -hmm. number one on the call sheet. Rarely mm -hmm. would they, they wouldn't allow themselves to be number two. We right, had right. some instances of that where you have guest stars. And, you know, I work with Ryan Murphy, who loves to, you know, resurrect old <laughs> Oscar winners and, right. and give them great jobs. And, and, and this, I'm not referring to any Oscar winners or, or just people who, are of another era yes. and um, and now they're older too. So they don't have that freshness of youth that they could always count on. And yeah. I'm speaking of Sophie too. She, she has that as well. And so it becomes even, it's, it's even more desperate and it's just not pretty to look at. It, it's heartbreaking. You know what I love though? And it was in this episode. Um, I become the, the talk show host or the game show host. Yes. And which I thought was interesting because Jane Lynch does <laughs> kind of as that's where my um, trajectory has gone. But Sophie is never as comfortable and as on and as easy as she is there. And that, well, she was that way with um, uh, uh, Queens, with the yeah. um, uh, Housewives of, of, of Queens. You know, she was completely ensconced in that character and, all of her insecurities fell away, but in the game show, yeah, it was it was so easy for her. 
and she yeah. loved being a part of the, kind of like an ensemble, but she's in the middle and she's the tallest. Yeah, and she's, yeah. You know, and she's feeding people and she's throwing lines away. She's setting people up for jokes. And um, a yeah. lot of this, you know, we don't see in the show, but that's how I, I imagined it. it yeah. That she- There's a m- moment where it does become clear where in Sophie's mind, the title host is the same as star. Of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Seconds count starring yes. Sophie yes. Lennon. Sophie yes. Lennon. And then, <laughs> yes. of course, not hosted by. Not, no, no, no. Starring. <laughs> uh, and she cannot stand, she cannot stand for a second Midge getting laughs. Oh, man. That's the she, most heartbreaking, but real. Yeah. It's so, yeah. oh, unbelievably real. Yeah. I, um, I did. Uh, movie Michael Moore's only fictional. He was so greatly known for documentaries, yeah. but he did one fictionalized film comedy mm-hmm. uh, called Canadian Bacon, mm-hmm. and uh, where the United States uh, Alan Alda plays the president. I play his chief of staff, and he's tr- struggling in the polls. And I convince him we need a big boost, and we need to wage a war. We can't pick anyone, so I pick Canada. <laughs> and we wage one in Canada. And it's very funny. John Candy's last movie, bless him. And um, some great people, but crazy as it gets, Rip Torn <laughs> is in the film. And every day he would basically shut down production with his <sighs> insecurity slash classic paranoid schizophrenia. I mean, it usually it was after lunch. Um, <laughs> Uh, where he would come back and pick someone from the cast or crew that was out to get him. And yeah. it and it was all based ah. on insecurity, just yeah. so painfully obvious and, and heartbreaking uh, yeah. instantly, especially for someone who's done great work as, as Sophie Lennon had on stage. Mm-hmm. So to ever see her insecure is, is heartbreaking. But it, there are a few uh, scenes throughout this uh, particular episode where it does come through. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess it's that um, imposter's syndrome also. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think it's imposter syndrome. I think she has a lot of that. Like when you first see her in this episode is she's in um, Midge's uh, living room. Entertaining oh, yeah. The staff. Oh, know, yes. The real people. That's and pro- um, and she's holding, you know, court, basically. Yep. And she's charming and delightful. And, and what she doesn't realize deep down inside is that who is who she is, too. Right. She, 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 it, but it, it like evaporates as soon oh. as she, you know, looks at herself in a mirror. <laughs> you know, it all goes away. She can't hold the act up for too long. No, no, no. That's exactly right. Um, but uh, it really uh, has become a part of, I mean, we, we spoke about how she sort of invented this aristocrat person that she wanted to be, but. Mm-hmm. I will say your performance uh, as the character does not suggest someone faking it. It suggests that this is who this insecure actress became. Yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah, but I, <laughs> she's but good I, even at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm saying yeah. I, I, as a fan of the show and a viewer I, audience, I, I really believe that this woman isn't faking this. This is actually who she wakes up as. How she got to that place. I, in other words, I don't think she turns it on when someone else is in the room. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel the way you portray it, it has seeped into her marrow. And I think. Oh, this, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first got the script, we were a, a few seasons into the show, right? There was a second season, uh, third season. Was that... I in the second season? I mean, I can look it up real quick. But um, let's see. I know, the second show... season, I became a regular, and right. then it was yeah, and then the 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 my second season. So that gotcha. might have been the third. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was the second season, at least when when Susie has an opportunity as a manager to to think about other clients. But yeah, my my point was that you the show had been on. You you hadn't just seen the billboard. Right. You had also right. seen the show. Yeah, I'd seen the show. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot, but I, right. I, I, I'd seen it. Yeah. Well, it's been established. You're not watching much of the yeah, well, I was probably watching stuff back there, but I'd seen a couple. I I saw the um uh the I thought the pilot was I know I saw the pilot after right. I saw the post poster, and and I went home and watched the pilot. I thought it was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is one of those uh, pilots, like Mad Men or whatever, that just takes you into a different world. Oh, it's a whole world. It's all realized, and it's it's beautiful to look at. The way Mad Men was too. It, yeah. it was beautiful to look at. Um. Boy, they really hit on something. And you had the role of a lifetime. It, 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 did they write it for you? I no, they didn't write it for me. But, um, but you made it your own too. I'm sure. Well, I know it's the great irony, right? So, as a stand-up comedian first, with no formal training as an actor, when I started auditioning, I was basically trying to learn how to act through auditions. Mm-hmm. And then a two to three hundred auditions later, I started getting a couple of things. But by the time I got to a few good men. I was so frightened of being found out as a non-trained actor. That was like my eighth film. But the first time it was going to like you, you just know this is going to be a juggernaut of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was convinced, well, this is the one I'm going to be pulled aside and they're going to say, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You have no idea what you're doing and you need to leave now <laughs> uh, that I started underplaying every single moment <clears throat> then that got such positive response yeah, yeah. that i then devoted my entire career to the guy who just throws it away and the more yes. i did the more people said you're so real you're so real what's well, all i know how to do yeah then that's uh, enough the paladinos want me to play the loudest uh <laughs> arguably most obnoxious character I've I've ever been considered for. And uh, they just want to get on the phone and talk to me about it uh, by way of this, this offer. And, you know, again, I too saw the pilot and was gobsmacked. It was just absurd. You just instantly want to be a part of this world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we got on the phone call, I said, uh, they said, we're so sorry. We don't have a script yet. We just, cause it was going to start in the first uh, episode of the series second episode overall because the pilot of course would be the first but the first of the new production that's why they didn't have scripts yet so i said folks uh you did such great work on the pilot i don't need to see a script and you had me at uh listen kevin that was <laughs> <laughs> but um but then you spend some time with them and um you realize they they love actors yes genuinely love them and what a difference that makes Mm -hmm. Um, it does 
Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear that you had that with Ryan Murphy you mentioned on Glee because mm -hmm. because I only asked you. I did the first episode of the recent production of his that he directed the first episode about the um, Clintons um, impeachment, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And that was not my experience. My no. experience was not kind and friendly and warm and cuddly. It was, does this guy even A, know who I am, B, know that I should be on set, and three, uh, was he involved in any way, shape, or form of offering me this part? Because <laughs> I got, I had no sense of even acknowledgement. It was a very, very surreal and not- I never, ever said Ryan was cuddly. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were of a mind, definitely, and we are still of a mind, I would imagine. I haven't worked with them in a while, but um, yeah, we, I, I would, uh, especially in the pilot, which he directed, like I would do something kind of subtle that and then i would hear him laugh behind ah. the thing and go yeah because so that kind of a thing yeah um yeah but he's uh like <laughs> i you know when we first when i first got on set and everything i expected he'd be like oh it's so good to see i'm so glad you want to do this he's like hi doll <laughs> yes <laughs> it was nothing it was nothing no that's he, that's not who he is yeah, okay. so i doubt he was thinking those things about you you would not have been on that set unless you would not have been on that set unless he chose you Oh, that's so such a relief. I've yet to yeah. uh, have spoken to someone who worked with him so extensively to ask that question and um, just assumed, OK, <laughs> it's OK. Yeah, uh, that's, it's it's hard for for us if we don't get that. You know, and Christopher Guest is like that, too. He He's not Mr. Feedback. Right. But you kind of have to trust. And now I've worked with him several times. I trust that I wouldn't yeah. be there if if he didn't you know, think what I was doing was what he wanted. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be hard because we want we want that feedback. And now I almost if I get the feedback too, <laughs> too fast or, or I, I yes. kind of see through it, it's like they're just, you know, <laughs> that was hilarious. And I go, no, it wasn't hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but, you you know, you don't you want to be able to trust them. Now, I trust Amy and Dan. Right. They if they love something, you know it. If mm -hmm. they don't love something, you know it. You know, they they are uncompromising. And when you keep getting asked back, I think it's it's just the, the greatest compliment in the world. Right. You know, they're, they 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 just don't compromise on on quality on any aspect. Right. Of their work. You it's know, so you true. can see it in the show, you know, the wardrobe, the 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 sets, the 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 um the well, the writing, of course, they're in charge of, but the casting and it they're they don't waste an element. And I, I bet they never go, eh, it's good enough. <laughs> no, I don't think they're capable of such a no, thought. No, I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah, they're, so if they yeah. find what you're doing delicious, it's the most gratifying thing in the world. Yeah, right. Because you know you're dealing with a perfectionist. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we're perfectionists. I know you work on every, because I've worked with you too. When we did Angel from Hell. You work on every nuance and then you let it go yeah or in the moment you do it but you're yeah, yeah. never like walking you know um kind of the walking dead in a take no and that's what i loved about working with you and with kyle bornheimer and with yeah. Maggie boston is that yeah we had so much fun every every day was just such a, a joy you Giddy. came in with an idea of what we were going to do and then when the four of us got together it was just 
Yeah. Apparently the, the heads of CPS did not agree. <laughs> right. And and wouldn't they kill for the numbers we had now? I uh, know. <laughs> we thought, well, we thought it was so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Seven but years just to, You know, well, that was um, not to belabor this, but to belabor hey, why not? It. They had a chain, you know, we were Nina Tassler's baby. That's right. And she left. Mm -hmm. And um, when she left, we didn't realize it, but the, you know, the, our, our grave was being dug. Yeah. New regime comes in, can't take credit for any of the success and doesn't want the blame for any of the failures. So everything yeah. must be flushed down the toilet. Yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah. That's an interesting thing about them. I've, I've spoken a lot on the podcast about their attention to detail, of course, as all the fans yeah. would agree, their attention to detail is savant like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of those things is brilliant writing on their part, but also that brilliant casting. You know, I, yeah. I I'm not supposed to say it because I was cast by them. But the fact is, when I go through these episodes, I'm constantly picking up, you know, uh, this savant casting ability they have, yeah. like Kelly Bishop, who who's back in this episode uh, towards the end, cornering. Mm -hmm. um, God, she was good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. You know, you're, you're just. Yeah. I did not realize that was her. Right. Till this moment. Till this yeah. moment. Oh, really? I remember watching that. I just, you know, I watched it all yeah. last night and watching the 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 Yenta thing or or the the matchmaker. Yeah, yeah. Deal. Yeah, yeah. I thought, this who is this actress? Yeah, and her, her accent to kind of the New York and a little little tinged with the uh, the the Hebrewish. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I think she's supposed to be Jewish. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. But whatever she had going on, yeah, it was. Oh my God! I was scared to death of her, and she yeah. was she was like a mafia don. That we, was Kelly Bishop, beautifully written and cast. Oh my! A God. And then ultimately performed. Yeah. Um. Well, that's the thing. Uh. So when you uh came back to work for Amy and Dan since that one episode in Gilmore Girls, mm -hmm. uh, do you remember the first episode that you did? as Sophie again I can look yes. it up if, oh you do yeah, yeah I do it was the one where I'm performing as um uh uh Sophie from Queens right. and I'm in, in a theater it, we were in a, a a closed down old like kind of Orpheum theater kind of right. like vaudeville theater in New York and um I remember walking out and all the background folks were absolutely decked out yep to the period and the hair the glasses everything hats on the ladies <clears throat> and um, I just, uh, I hadn't talked to any of them. I, I think I put on my costume and they took a picture and Amy went, or it was Dan, I forget which one. And I, you know, they didn't know what I was going to do. Sure. Really? And, and, yeah. They didn't know, you know, now, now I'm performing at the first thing I do is perform as Sophie. And I hadn't really, I mean, I had worked on it, like sitting at my desk going, rah, rah, rah. I hadn't really put it in my body so much. And, and then they get, you get the, the wardrobe on. And I think I asked for the feather duster, like just to have something. Um, and it just, everything like I had imagined in my mind and then some that happen only when you put on the costume and it worked. And I, I mean, I was, I was thrilled with it. And so I did the first four or five takes and they're moving the camera around. They're shooting me first. So they start from the back and then they start coming in. It was Dan, Dan directed it. And I got word either from him. I can't remember if it was him. Or uh, uh, if it was via, I think it was from him where he just went, a yes, kind of like that, that you yeah. know, like affirmation of yes.
Yes, as threatened, it uh, ended awkwardly. Or abruptly. Let's say abruptly. Why do I need to self-criticize? That's what you're here for. And write to me with your comments, questions, and critiques to mymrsmazapod at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Yeah, come on. How about that? Insights into how and what makes Jane Lynch tick. Uh, I, I promise you, parts two and three will, in fact, talk about season four, episode six, in tremendous detail. But when I listened back and realized, hey, I think there's a three-parter here, I, I realized that there was a first part that almost uh, entired, entirely did not uh, scratch the surface of that series episode. And so what we call it a teaser. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for writing in to my Mrs. at gmail.com. Again, any comments, questions for Jane Lynch, follow up by writing to that email address. Let's open up the mailbag, shall we? Alrighty. Uh, this fan email comes from Sydney who wrote way back in June of 23. Hello. Great work from both of you on this show. Congrats on the final season. My question is for Michael. So both of you would be in reference to Michael Zegan did an early episode of the pod with me. Ended up doing a couple. And so this is addressed to the both of us. She goes on, or Sydney goes on. My question is for Michael. How do you view the interactions between Joel and Susie? Their interactions are always so interesting. I think because they are actually quite similar by the end of the show in their respective relationships with Midge and her career. Loving the podcast so far. Thanks. Nice qualifier there, Sydney. So far. Well, Sydney, you're due to write back because I don't know what you think now. This is episode 37 that I'm reading this. Uh, but I have a treat for you because Michael Zegan answers Sydney and uh, the rather thoughtful question put forth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to Michael, but just know when Michael finishes, that will be the end of this episode. So in, in preparation for that ending, I will now say thank you for tuning in. Uh, please join us next week as we get to season four Episode one, a very famous uh, season opener involving a certain wonder wheel. And joining me, teasing that now, the illustrious genius actor, David Pamer. Yeah, who plays Harry Drake on the show. But first, uh, let's, uh, let's wish you all the best. Be kind to each other. Please. And until next time, I'll see you in my dreams. And now, Michael Zegan's answer to Sydney. Uh, yeah, I love the interactions between Joel and Susie. Um, you know, I just love their dynamic. Because uh, they respect each other, you know, because they know that the other person cares about Midge in the same way that they do. But at the same time, there's this, uh, I guess, underlying resentment uh, from Joel towards Susie 
because, you know, she represents what took and what's taking Midge away from him. So there's this tension, but, you know, he knows that she's in good hands. And I also just loved working with Alex Borstein. Um, she's just so hilarious. And uh, I wish, to be honest, we had more scenes together. But I'll definitely uh, treasure those moments. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Maisel pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollack, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post-production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Maisel pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q-Code. Q-Code. Sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know... I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal fees.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us.